Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 102 of Brewers on Tap, our final regular season episode of the 2017 season. What a year it was, 86-76. and 76. The Brewers finished 10 games above 500. They finished second in the National League Central. And, oh, what might have been? They finished just one game back of the second National League wildcard. All in a year in which the Brewers weren't supposed to compete, not at least yet. The crew felt like when they broke spring training camp down in Maryville, they had a chance to be a very competitive team, maybe push their way into a 500 type of record before the season was all said and done. But they exceeded and completely passed those expectations with many position players and many arms on the mound having big years, taking those big steps forward that a front office dreams about when they acquire you. Talking about guys like Chase Anderson, who had a tremendous 2017. Probably would have been in the conversation for the Cy Young had he not gone down at the injury. Finished 12-4 with a 2.74 ERA. A cutter that became a nice complement to his fastball. Always has had that plus changeup and a curveball that's become very, very dangerous. Talking about guys like Corey Knable, who wasn't even the closer at the beginning of the year, and finished with 39 saves, an ERA of 1.78, and a strikeout rate that very few people in Major League Baseball will ever accomplish. And uh, Knable was one of the top relievers in all of baseball this year. Then when you talk about guys at the plate, Travis Shaw acquired in the Tyler Thornburg trade last year during the winter meetings. Shaw had a huge year for the crew, his career year. We're going to get more into the specifics of his numbers in a little bit. And how about Domingo Santana? Finally healthy, and Domingo Santana looked healthy all year long. 278 average, 30 home runs, and 85 driven in. Santana becoming one of the top young right fielders in all of baseball. It was a big year for the crew. There's no doubt about it. Let's jump into those numbers on Travis Shaw. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. 
we all know that Travis Shaw had a career year and was among the top third basemen in the league in 2017. His 31 home runs and 101 RBIs, easy career highs, and his left-handed bat helped balance a lineup that was very right-handed back in 2016. Back in July, Fangraphs posted a story in which Travis Shaw credited, at least in some part, his success to doing the opposite of what many other sluggers are trying to do in the current age of baseball. Shaw's been focused on driving down on the ball in an era of launch angle and trying to lift the ball to hit more home runs. Shaw was actually trying to do the opposite. The result was a ground ball percentage increase of 6% from 2016 and a fly ball percentage down 9% from his final season in Boston. Additionally, his home run to fly ball percentage increased by 10%. While a completely different approach than, say, at Josh Donaldson, the philosophy clearly worked for Shaw. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And, uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It, was, um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses. And that's where guys get caught up in... Uh, trying to do too much now for the clubhouse conversation brewers manager craig council our guest here on brewers on tap of course the season has come to a close and as you get a chance to reflect on it um this was a fun season a, a great group of guys that really gelled well together and i think the fans understood that and got a chance to feel like they were a part of it also what, what are you going to remember the most about this particular group I mean, I think, you know, I'll remember the fact that we played so many close games and how it led to so much, you know, exciting baseball, even though it's, you know, May baseball or June baseball, how um, it led to just really entertaining baseball to watch. And, um, you know, it was a group that I think chose to um, be a very connected group and and that lifted them up I think and it led to them being able to bounce back from some some really you know tough losses um and tough stretches and um so to me it was you know it was a fun group and and they really enjoyed each other and they played the games like they enjoyed being each other's teammates you've talked about every team being their own they have their own identity they have their own chemistry but at the same time, I know that you have a formula or a culture that you want to have that's somewhat consistent year in and year out. And you, you really talked about that a lot in 2016 during spring training. And connected, which is a word you've already used, was one of those prevalent words. Do, do you see that part carrying over because of what you've been able to set as a foundation for what you want to have here? Um, well, that's, that's, that's what you're hoping for. I mean, that's what you work for. And I think... Um, to me, every year is a little different, and it applies a little differently to every to every single group. And every single group has their own, you know, heartbeat, so to speak. And and we have to, um, you know, understand how that heartbeat is going to be most efficient and work work best together. And that's you know my job as as a manager. Um, but they've they've you know understood the value of, of of teammates, and and I think that lifted them collectively up this year. Um, and I think it did. I think it did last year too. Uh, you know, last I think it did to last year's group as well. So we'll continue to emphasize that. Um, it, it's always going to. It's something that will continue to be important. Um, 
you know, it is, it is foundational, um, part of our foundational program that I think is, is always going to be important. So, um, you know, but I, I do stress that the next year's group will be different and they will have different personalities. Um, they will have different things that, that you love about them and different things that, uh, that, that you want, that you're trying to tweak about them. Do you think that made it easier to introduce new players into the clubhouse too, like Anthony Swarzak, like Neil Walker later on? Well, it, it's never tough to introduce good players to the clubhouse. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> so those two guys were good players. Uh, good players fit in any clubhouse. Um, those guys did a great job. And, and I think what those guys, um, you know, quickly realized that this, this was a group that had kind of formed their own personality. And they were, you know, you know, I'd been around long enough to, to fit in. They, they didn't try to change the, the world being veteran players, they try to come in and, and be a part of it and enhance what was already going on, and that's exactly what they did. A bunch of guys took big steps forward this year. Chase Anderson may be chief among them, and it wasn't luck or smoke and mirrors. It was stuff. I mean, his stuff really yeah. played well. His curveball looked better than it did a year ago. The cutter really became a nice weapon for him, and the fastball had more velocity. Did, did you anticipate him taking this kind of a jump forward this year? Well, I, I think like I, you know, I think we did see some signs in the, at the end of 2016 that he was moving forward. Um, you know, but he did come into spring training and I thought there was some the velocity increases is, is is very noted. Uh, that happened and it was real. And then the curveball like you said became really, you know, he came to Milwaukee as a guy with kind of an average fastball and a really good changeup. And he's turned into a guy with, with a plus fastball, um, a really good changeup, and a really good curveball. And, uh, and, a, and a cutter that I think is the fourth pitch that really keeps hitters you know, honest and puts another thing in the back of their head that I can't set on fastball, there could be a cutter. So he's changed his profile, and, and that, as much as anything, has, has made him who he is. The loss of Jimmy Nelson was a big loss. I think everybody understands that. But all the same, the work he put in to get himself to where he was, it's a really good testament to his work ethic, but also Derek Johnson and, and his ability to, to reach these guys and, and help them continue to develop. You talk about it a lot. Just because a guy gets to the big leagues, that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of development left in them. And Jimmy Nelson's a great example of that, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could you could throw Chase into that mix, too, as guys kind of in the same spots in their careers. and. And, and for DJ, this was year two working with Chase and, and working with Jimmy and working with Corey and working with Zach Davies. And, um, and I think you saw, like, when you, I, to me, when you give DJ time to work with, work with some willing uh, students, he's going to make them better. And, and that's what happened for, for all those guys. And um, for, uh, you know, for Jimmy, he, he took a big step forward. I mean, he had become, you know, one of the scarier pitchers in the league for another team to face, I think. That's that's for sure, and so, you know, he'll he'll work his butt off to get back, and we're going to miss him for certainly a, a part of next season. But um, you, you're confident that the way Jimmy works at things, that uh, he'll get himself back to this level again. Corey was one of the best relievers in baseball. It's been noted with all the different numbers that you can throw out there with the season he put together. I remember talking to him in mid-April, and he said he found his curveball quickly this year, and he thought that was the big difference. Do you think that's what kind of separated him and elevated him to another level was his ability to get that curveball over? Yeah, I, I think I've always 
looked at Corey's curveball and with with before this year and kind of been puzzled by it. I never understood. I was always struggling to figure out why don't hitters react to this curveball the way I want them to because it looks like a a really difficult pitch. And uh, this year, I think what happened is he did. He just found that little extra gear with his curveball, and 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 it changed changed a lot for him. And um, he 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 became it became a really dominant pitcher. And he's the fastballs always really play. We've seen strikeouts that's largely come from the fastball, and they really still do. But when the curveball took that little extra step, it just put the hitter in a really tough spot. And, and you saw some you know hitters were afraid to get to two strikes. Um, they had a hard time squaring up the fastball because they had to just they respected the curveball. A lot of curveball, you know, takes you got to end up for strike three with just takes on the curveball. So uh, it's a pitch that really took a big step forward. I remember talking with Travis Shaw before the season began and how much he appreciated after the deal was made and he was moved to Milwaukee that you reached out to him. I think you guys got together in the off season and it seems like you connected with him very well right away. And he. He was very appreciative of that. The season he went through, on and off the field, the production that he gave you, have you seen many guys do what he was able to do, dealing with what he was dealing with, uh, in, 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 and coming out with the success that he had? Well, you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, we don't have and you don't have players that personally have to go through the things that Travis had to go through this year. Um, you know, Travis... Um, when we traded for Travis, you know, I, I just saw a player who got into a season last year, and, and Boston's a really tough place to play, and got into a season last year where um, you, you've, you've, I've seen it happen to young players before. It, it's just a season where things go south, and then you, somehow you wake up in September, and you're like, how did this happen? It didn't, it didn't have to happen, and, and it just, but it did. And so I thought – you know, putting Travis in a good frame of mind coming into the, the situation here in Milwaukee. Um, I thought it was really a spot that it was going to work for him, although he, you know, frankly, he's, he even tell you he was a little kind of shook up by the trade. Um, but he, you know, he was, he was ripe to, to do this, I think. I really think he was. And, um, and then to do it really on top of the, the health struggles with his daughter and, um, you know, she, she's, she's still in the hospital. She's been in the hospital since her birth, um, is, is really, you know, we all, we all marvel at it and we're all respectful of it. And he, he's somehow found a way to, you know, compartmentalize, you know, work and, 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 you know, life with his, his wife and his daughter, um, which is, which is incredibly difficult. And we all have a tremendous amount of admiration for yeah i don't think there's anybody that was around the team that didn't admire the way he handled the whole thing and and still continues to moving forward all right final question how do you unplug now that the season's over you're a very competitive guy you're competing on a daily basis over 162 are you able to unplug or are you still grinding away and mentally thinking about everything for 2018 already um i you know really this is a time for me to kind of um and in the next couple of weeks my kind of last thoughts about 17 and making sure that I, um, you know, get those down on, get those down and communicated to, to David, uh, so we can move forward. Um, you know, I'll, I'll watch the playoffs because I think they're fascinating from a manager's perspective. 
the manager all the playoffs are manager second guessing season. Everybody all of a sudden is a manager in the playoffs um, and and questions every move that ends up not working. Um, so I think that's an interesting study for me and and an interesting thing to take part of. Um, but then it is it is unplugging, which is healthy and and necessary and uh, recharges the battery. Counts appreciated. Thanks for a great 2017. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate it. Checking in on the farm. Of course, the Brewers minor league affiliates have been done for quite some time. The Arizona Fall League will get started in just a few days, about a week from now. The Arizona Fall League will get underway. But big news on the affiliate front as the Brewers finalized their purchase earlier this week of the Class A Advanced Carolina Mudcats, assuring that the Brewers will be in the Carolina League for many years to come at Five County Stadium in Zebulon, North Carolina. That's a big move for the crew, and I'm sure ownership and the front office very excited to know that they have a solid place for a long, long time for many of their prospects to develop and continue their path onto the big league club down the road. All right, that's going to do it for episode number 102 of Brewers on Tap, our final regular season edition of the podcast for 2017. But we will be coming at you with some sporadic Brewers on Tap over the course of the offseason. You can look for one to drop from the Arizona Fall League in a bit and also one to come your way after winter meetings. Hopefully you will have a great offseason. What a great year it was in 2017 for the crew. 86 and 76, and great progress made. Thanks for coming along for the ride. We'll talk to you again soon. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.